electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thank you very much, and welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. We are live today from Apple Park in Cupertino, California, where in less than an hour, Tim Cook will take the stage in that building over my shoulder for Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. We'll get a number of major announcements today, many expecting the company take big leap into virtual and augmented reality. Rumors of a, heads, a headset at this point, they're widespread, as you know. There could be some new MacBooks, a new operating system, and certainly anticipation very high for Tim Cook to discuss Apple's AI plans, too. And all of this happening as Apple shares hit a new intraday high today. Our investment committee joining me as well. Brenda Vangelo is right next to me here at Apple Park. We have Josh Brown today, Joe Terranova, Stephanie Link, and Jim Labenthal. Everybody is an Apple shareholder today. Our tech reporter, Steve Kovac, is covering the event. He'll be here with us as well. Deepwater's Gene Munster along in just a few moments, too. Let's take a look at the markets. Dow's been down for much of the session today. It's a Nasdaq story. Uh, and it's an Apple story, very much so, as that stock hits a new intraday high, a new all-time intraday high today. But there's your picture. S&P 500 is a fractional uh, winner today, but there, there is uh, the Dow. So let's, let's move it around. Um, Brenda, it's good to have you here as an Apple shareholder. What are you hoping to hear today? It's sort of the cat's kind of out of the bag on what we, uh, what we think we're going to get. Yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, I think this is a company that's always been criticized for not being innovative enough. So it's days like day today that are really an opportunity for the company to show their stuff, talk about what's new in the pipeline, talk about how they're you know, going to have a, a place at the table in AR, VR, and then also on the AI topic, which Apple has historically had a lot of AI embedded in things like Siri, but now is an opportunity to perhaps you know, show that there's more to it and that they really are planning to develop more on that front. Yeah, Josh Brown, Dan Ives, of course, of Wedbush, the analyst who covers Apple, calling this a flex the muscles moment for this company. How about you? What are you expecting today? I think today is going to be equally interesting, not just for the winner, which will be Apple once again, but for who the losers might be. Keep in mind a couple of things. Intel is down 3% on the day. Why? The headset is most likely to have Apple's very own M2 chip, which will have about 16 gigabytes of memory. The M2 chip is Apple's system on a chip. It combines CPU with GPU. That's what's going to be powering all the compute power behind those 4K displays on either side of the goggle. Very important. The second thing, can you imagine if after all the time and money invested uh, at Meta, that Apple actually comes along and is the first company to introduce something that is the roadmap to a, a more widespread mainstream virtual reality product, um, a set of goggles that people actually want to be seen in. Uh, this is not expected to be like the watch in 2015, where it's $300, it's entry level. There, there are rumors about this is it's like a $3,000 headset 
the most they expect to sell is 900,000 units in the first year, and then sales will slow. But the basic idea is to just carve out their chunk of territory here, and more importantly, have an ecosystem that third-party developers are willing to spend money and time investing in. It wasn't Oculus, it wasn't Facebook Meta, it might be Apple. Yeah, Joe Terranova, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say you, you learned the hard way what it's like to try and huh. trade this stock, uh, which you were out of, and then as the momentum started to build again in tech, you got back in and here we are, the stock's at an all-time intraday high today. Sure, and very happy that we recognized it quickly and returned to the stock because the stock is about quality. And if you think about the word that's been used so frequently in the last year, it is quality. And quality is outperforming the S&P overall. And this is a company where the fundamentals were never in question, Scott. It was the technicals. These fundamentals for this company, they have over $100 billion in free cash flow generation. Think about that for a second. That's the size of Citigroup or Goldman Sachs or BlackRock. So to Josh's point, they have the ability to spend. They have the ability to spend, and what does Apple do so well? Apple is able to retain its customer base in the ecosystem because they always deliver on product improvement. And I would not be surprised to see that in fact today. It's not about innovation. It's about their ability to use the balance sheet to improve upon products, and that's my expectation for today. Yes, yeah, Steph and Jim are, are interesting stories in, in, and of, in, in and of itself. And the fact that, you know, both of you, uh, I think, are underweight tech relative to the, the benchmark. Uh, Steph, I'll go to you first. Um, you know, the way you see Apple in your portfolio today uh, versus the way you might see it tomorrow, given what Tim Cook may do on that stage in, in that beautiful building behind us. Yeah, and I am underweight tech, but I'm a lot less underweight than I was all of last year. I'm only four bi four, uh, 400 basis points below my bench, which is 35% in tech and comm services. Last year, I was uh, like over 10% underweight. So I've been slowly adding to it. I mean, some of the stories are very compelling and given the end markets that we talk about all the time. But in terms of Apple, I don't know if, if my... Um, perception is going to change after today. I mean, I think mixed reality headsets are exciting and fun to talk about. So, but, but short term, I don't think it's going to really have an impact on the financials. Longer term, we know Apple is very good at inventing new markets and, and, and new markets. Uh, and three years from now, the headsets are going to be cheaper, faster, and more uses. So I think this year, analysts are expecting about 200,000 units in, for these headsets, going to 8 million by 2026. And if they could achieve that, that's about 36 cents a share to earnings. So it's not huge. It's nice, but it's not huge. We'll have to see. IDC is, uh, is saying that they expect 25 million uh, AR and VR headsets by 2026. So maybe there's even upside to the 8 million for Apple. Who knows? It's so early, though, Scott. I think the one thing that's important, though, is w it will improve their service services revenue as a percentage of total revenue. And we know services um, uh, carries about an 80% uh, percent, uh, gross margin versus hardware at 20%. So it is, over the long term, a good strategy to build up the services business. Yeah, this hasn't been a perfect story uh, either, no. Jim, in, in terms of, of the stock. I mean, it's recovered quite nicely. And the, the question now is whether the headwinds um, around you know, handsets, around mobile, around China, are, are starting to subside enough that this company is about to ramp its revenue growth 
once again and what that's going to mean for a stock that's already up 40 plus percent this year. Yeah, I'm going to give a balanced uh, analysis here, I hope, um, which is to say, first off, on the negative, I mean, this is a year in which net income is expected to decline at the company. And that's reflective in large part of the handset decline that has been felt at other companies such as Qualcomm. But for both Qualcomm and Apple, like they, there should be a pullout from that nadir uh, on the handset market. The the note of caution that well, let me let me be the positive first. Um, you know, Apple did not invent the smartphone, uh, but it took the smartphone to levels that were uh, previously undiscovered and unimagined. Maybe that's what happens with the headset as well. Um, but the caution that I would note is not everything that Apple touches turns to gold. We haven't seen the car, which just a couple of years ago was really talked about quite a bit. I would say that the TV uh, services have not uh, gone according to their most lofty projections. I'm a shareholder. I want everything to work out. Um, but the biggest reason that I'm a shareholder is because of how big Apple is in the market overall. So when money flows into the market, just passive indexing tells you that Apple is going to perform pretty well. So I don't want to be out of it, but it's hard for me to get overly enthusiastic about it. All right, I'll turn to Steve Kovac now, of course, our Apple uh, guru who's here uh, on site with us as well. I think Jim Labenthal makes a, an interesting point. Um, Apple's never... Uh, typically the first mover, right. but they've had a reputation of being the best mover yeah. once they move into an area. And today, what some are calling the most significant hardware announcement for this company since 2014 in the watch. Right. And, and the watch is a really good example because that was an unproven product category nine years ago when they first introduced it. No one really knew what it was for. And Apple, you know, they tried to do everything. They threw everything at the wall, see what sticks. They try to make it like a mini iPhone on your wrist. Right, Scott? subsequent years, they kind of dialed that back and now it's a fitness device and gives you text messages and notifications and things like that. But it is not an iPhone replacement. And it sounds like based on what we're hearing about the headset, a very similar strategy. We're going to throw everything at this thing, see what sticks. There's a, a report that uh, Apple Books is going to be part of it. Do you want to read Apple Books like right on your face? Maybe not. But again, it's significant. That's why they're announcing this at the developers conference, because they're going to need those developers who are attending this today to create new experiences for this thing and actually help sell it. So that's why we're hearing about it. Do you think this is, uh, in, in some ways, a, a binary product uh, event? It's either going to be fantastic or it's going to be a flop. There's not right, going to right. be much middle ground for a product we, like this. Yeah, exactly. And if it doesn't sell, you know, it's not going to sell Game Busters. No one is expecting to sell in the same level that we see iPhone sales. For example, they'll sell 200 million or, or more iPhones this year. They might be lucky if they sell a million headsets this year. So it's not going to be a mass market product, more experimental as they kind of move towards this vision they see of glasses that kind of look like mine instead of these ski goggles that we're end up getting from all these companies. And, and typically with Apple, as you know better than most, it's, it's not so much about the, the hardware piece itself, it's about the technology inside of the, the, the unit, the device, whatever, which Dan Ives today says he expects to be, in his words, jaw-dropping. Right, and that's what, they never go into anything and do it, you know, halfway, right? So. Again, it's going to be about, I think, a lot of focus on the display. If you've ever used one of the Meta headsets, it just, it just doesn't look good. This pass-through technology where it has the cameras on the outside that display on the screen on the inside, if you've ever used it, it's blurry. It looks like looking at an old tube television from like the 1980s or early 90s. This hopefully will you know, show what's actually capable on the display front too and really show uh, you know, the power of this kind of technology when you pack all that in. But 
it's not cheap. We talk, well, to your point, uh, that goes to the not the first mover, but the trying to be the best mover. This brings the company really head on in, in at least this category with Meta. Um, we're talking about maybe $3,000 for this uh, headset uh, versus what they've just talked about is around 500. Right. And you also got to keep in mind the iPhone advantage, even though those sell on average maybe a thousand bucks a pop, they're subsidized so heavily by the carriers and other retailers. Probably not going to see the same thing here. The carriers, it behooves them to get you a free iPhone every you know year or two. It's not going to be the case with this. So this is really going to be people with money to burn and they want to try it ahead of time, get in on this next trend or what people believe is the next trend. And, you know, more of a status symbol maybe than an actual, you know, groundbreaking product that everyone gets to try. It's going to be more niche than that for sure. What do you think Cook's going to say about AI today, if anything, and, and the pressure you think he may feel to really set the stage for what this company thinks it can do in AI when that is clearly the story and it's other names in this general vicinity of right. where we're sitting that have stolen the thunder on that story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Microsoft is the darling right now, right? And we never really thought we'd talk about that, that company in that way. But yeah, setting this standard for AI, like what they have Siri, of course, right? Needs a lot of work. It's no chat GPT. But what they do talk about when they talk about AI, especially Tim Cook, what's going on under the hood? So if they do talk about it, it's not going to be chat GPT in the headset, but I think it's going to be more like we are able to you know, scan the environment, use artificial intelligence to kind of figure out where you are in physical space. There's a lot of AI stuff probably happening under the hood, not necessarily consumer facing that you get to see and interact with like a chatbot or a Siri. I would be very surprised if we saw some kind of supercharged Siri today. It's, it's hard, Josh, I think, to overstate the, the moment that this means for Tim Cook. You know, this is really uh, just the second major product that he is going to unveil since Steve Jobs' passing. The, the watch, of course, being that, and then here we go into what will, and who knows, uh, end up being Mr. Cook's legacy here, is taking this company into the next frontier. So I went back and looked at the press, and I'm, I'm sure Steve uh, did as well. I went back and looked at the press from around the launch of the Apple Watch, and I was on the air with you, Scott, that day, because uh, I found the video clip, too. But basically, the gist of the press was, okay, the watch, I guess, looks nice. The gold one is interesting. It's a little niche. This is never going to be an iPhone. It won't even be an iPad. And, of course, they were right. Like, the, the first edition of the watch was underwhelming. It wasn't going to be niche because it was expensive. It really wasn't. It's just that nobody knew beyond Fitbit would anyone have an interest in wearing a computer on their wrist. Um, but they iterated. And the watch is now on its 17th version of the operating system. And they shipped 50 million watches last year. The, the, the user ecosystem for Apple Watches is a quarter of a billion people. So, like, it doesn't have to be obvious to everyone who sees this headset today that this is the future. Back to Joe's point, you just have to bet that whatever's wrong with it or whatever's underwhelming about it, or whatever's too expensive or too large or cumbersome, that's the part that Apple will, with every passing year, come up with a new iteration of and, and improve. The last thing I want to say really quickly, you have to understand, this is now an ecosystem. Uh, iPhone and iPad apps, there are hundreds of thousands of existing third-party apps that have more than a million users. It's a huge ecosystem. All of that stuff 
is going to work with minimal modification on the, the display from all of the press reports that we've seen. So you're not just talking about Apple's own stuff like maps and messages and music and notes and books and mail. You're talking about everyone that has an app in this, in this, uh, in this ecosystem. And that's really what's so exciting about them walking into this category now. Not who was first, not who was most expensive, but who can really change the world. And Apple clearly is the company that can. You know, Brenda, I can't help but notice as we look at the stock at the highs of the day, it's up better than 2%, and you see that nice big round number for the forward PE, mm -hmm. which is now 30 times. Right. Um, as you look at that, what do you think? Do you think the stock is, is getting a little too expensive? Um, is that PE justified? How do you view that here? Yeah, I think the stock is getting a little expensive, to be honest. Uh, but I do think, you know, when we look forward, we have to have a reason to think that earnings growth is potentially going to be a little bit better. It could be if we get something like currency going the right direction. It was a 500 basis point drag last quarter. Also, if we start to see more buzz and if there is excitement, I think it, with all the VR headsets out there, I think someone needs to come in and prove why the consumer needs this, aside from just, you know, another way of gaming and, and actually use it in their daily lives in some way. And maybe Apple will be able to do that by showing you can use it for health-related um, uh, applications or other things that are more useful and another reason to really need something like this. But to Josh's point, I think today we're just going to get, you know, we're getting a very, likely a very expensive device. It's not going to be for everybody, but it's the first iteration. It's something for developers to work with. And over time, I think there may be more usability um, and a reason to own it for, for a broader, broader base of people. And then you could have more of a growth story coming from this announcement. Steve, I really love that point. This is a prove it moment. Right. You have to prove that consumers are going to be willing to spend $3,000 to wear something on their head that they think is going to look good and be functional enough that they're going to want to wear it. I, I've been saying that for months now. What is the marketing message around this that we're going to hear today? More, We kind of already have an understanding how the device itself is going to work. What we don't have an understanding is what's Apple's like holistic vision for this device and how they're going to pitch it and convince us we need it. Again, we go back to Meta. They have not convinced us we need these headsets. Sales are poor. Can Apple have a killer app, so to speak, that proves this is some a device worth buying. That is bigger than any specs or feeds or how good the displays are or anything. That I'm more interested to hear the marketing messaging around this, the commercials and the, the sales pitch, so to speak, uh, more than what the device can do itself. Yeah, I think we all are. What, what's the sales pitch to you, Jim, in terms of what gets you to increase the size of your position in Apple shares? Uh, it, it, in the face of that valuation that we just talked about, which is 30 times forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd look for a little price break before adding to it. Um, I think this debate we're having is really fabulous about whether people will gravitate towards VR headsets. I'm gonna cast a vote and say that they're not, okay? But, but you'll notice I'm not saying sell the stock. I just said if it dipped a little bit, I'd add to it. Um, the risk here is sounding like a very famous economist who's often on the internet because he said in 1998 that the internet really wouldn't replace the fax machine. Who knows, maybe VR headsets, MR headsets, whatever we're calling them, are actually going to be ubiquitously taken up. 
I don't think so. But I go back to my earlier comment about Apple. It's something like 7% of the S&P 500, 11 odd percent of the triple Qs. As people come back into the market, and if they do any passive indexing, that money automatically flows to Apple and makes it a good investment. So I'm not going to buy it at 30 times, Scott. I already own it, but I would add to it if I got a, like a 10% price discount. Steph, what about you? How, how would you answer that same question? Again, as we said, it was somebody, you know, it's not one of the largest holdings in your portfolio by, by any stretch. What gets it to be? Well, I don't know if it's Apple, Scott. I think it would maybe be something like Broadcom. That's a 25% customer, right? So, uh, to, of Apple. So, um, and I think that they also have, have other things that, that are going for it. And we talked about this on Friday, and I've talked about it ad nauseum, that they are a, a player in, in AI. Uh, at, this is Broadcom. They're a player in AI, and I think it's going to be 25% of their semi-revenues by uh, the next uh, year, up from 10% last year. So they're growing, and then at the same time, they just signed the deal with Apple. Uh, we don't know the terms are, but it's probably a three- to five-year kind of ter uh, term. Uh, and uh, I think that's positive. So I do get a little bit of exposure with Apple via Bria Broadcom. I just have a hard time paying 31 times um, for a company that's going to see earnings and revenue growth, maybe maybe at best low double digits, not even, probably. Um, and uh, while I do think these headsets are very interesting, I think it's going to be years before it's meaningful to the bottom line. So yeah, maybe I guess if there's a price dip, there, I would always look at stocks when they, when they fall, but I'm not, uh, I'm not inclined to chase it here. Competition, Steve's going to get thick. Here too. It's not just uh, Apple versus Meta. No. It's Alphabet, which is going to throw its hat into the ring too. In in, in what way? Yeah. So next uh, thing, Google actually te teased us at their developers conference. Same thing a couple weeks ago, and they're partnering with Samsung. So Samsung is going to build the hardware. It's going to be a very similar concept to what we're going to see today from Apple. And Google's going to show the software version of Android that is doing this mixed reality stuff. And so we're going to get in just a couple uh, months, we'll get Apple today, we'll get Samsung probably the end of the summer, and then we'll get a fuller picture of that new Meta headset that was announced last week. We'll get that later in the fall as well. So the, we have huge giants there, not to mention ByteDance, Chinese parent company of TikTok. Mm -hmm. They have one too. It's called the Pico. So they're, they're getting in the market as well. You're an Alphabet shareholder too. Um, so as we talk about AI, we talk about new hardware products, um, transformational software, mm -hmm. um, this is a stock you have to pay attention to also. What's your view of Alphabet here? Absolutely. I mean, I think the bread and butter, though, of, of Alphabet um, is really the digital advertising market. And it's, so it's such an important piece. Cloud is becoming more important and, and a little bit more profitable. Uh, but certainly, when you think about um, AI, certainly important. We saw earlier this year where the market really decided once ChatGPT was launched that Google was going to be a loser in that sort of uh, scenario and lose on the search side. So I think Google really needs to and, and has uh, shown that this is going to be a focus for them uh, so they can remain competitive and, and retain their market share that they have on the search side. Yeah, it's only up 41% yeah, as well. That's right. The tide certainly changed. Yeah. All right. So, Steve, you're going to come back in a little bit. I All sure right. Am. Our Steve Kovac will be back with us. Uh, coming up next, live from Cupertino, longtime Apple watcher Gene Munster joining us right here on set before he heads into the big event. We're back in just two minutes, and we're about 37 minutes away from WWDC 23. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier. Because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. 
which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. under 40 minutes away now from Apple's 2023 Worldwide Developers Conference. Joining us now, Gene Munster, Deepwater Asset Managing, uh, Managing Partner. It's good to see you here. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, you're going to be inside. Can't uh, wait. You, you walked up, and as you were walking up, you said it's a very big day. Tell it us, is a tell big us day. why you think it's that big of a day. Uh, I've been covering Apple for a long time, for 20 plus years, and I put this at kind of the same uh, uh, level as when I was driving up to when the iPhone was expected to be announced. That's significant. That big of a deal. And the reason why is that uh, the feeling I had at that time was, is this really going to happen? Because it was uh, rumored for the last year and a half, and I think that the headset's been rumored for equally as long of a time. And it's just so rare that we get these big product announcements. And so uh, once every, call it five to 10 years. And so uh, today is a big deal. And I think what it really marks is recognition from the world's best device maker that there is gonna be a paradigm shift in how uh, business and consumers are gonna do computing. And that is as big of a deal as the iPhone. What, I mean, just because Apple says or thinks that uh, consumers are gonna be ready to wear a, a headset doesn't necessarily mean that they actually will. What makes you believe that this is gonna be a successful product? Because at the, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Exactly right. I think Steve in his earlier uh, segment talked about the use case of this. That's what I'm most keen into. And to answer your question, what makes me believe that this is ultimately the future? is if you look at how uh, younger consumers under the age of 30 engage in tech, you think about things like Roblox, like TikToks, it's pretty clear the more immersive that tech can be, the more engagement that it produces. And so I look at, uh, even though there's a disappointment that I have in terms of how much time is being spent on these devices, I think the reality is, is that those are good benchmarks, TikTok and Roblox in terms of how. Now you can look obviously at what's happened with these headsets to date. It's been a big disappointment. Uh, this is a a theme that's been around since 2017, which kind of again begs the question, what is the use case? The use cases will come, but I think one piece that will not change is humans' desire for more immersive experiences. And this is probably gonna be the best uh, use case that we're gonna see when it comes to hardware. If $3,000 is the right price of what the rumored price is, is said to be at this point, what do you think of that number relative to what the competition is already doing and what others may do in, in the space to undercut that? So I'll take the under on the 3,000, by the way. If I was going to guess, I think it's going to be 2,000. 
but ultimately it's still going to be well above where the Quest Pro is at 1,000 and the, the Quest 3 at 500. So this is still a developer, and this is what it's still a developer product. And I think that's what is most important for investors to understand going into this is that don't get too tied up in terms of what the number of units that they're going to sell in the next one, two, or three years. What's most important is does this have the technology to get developers excited about building on top of it? Investors will give some room for Apple to uh, not, they don't have to show everything today in terms of the use case, uh, but they do need to show more than Zoom uh, and VR, and they need to show uh, more than games. And I think if they can just at least build the case uh -huh. that their hardware is superior to Meta's, then I think investors can start to get more optimistic, even though the unit growth still isn't five plus years down the road. Joe Terranova, do you think investors are going to be uh, patient enough to wait uh, for some of the fruits that, that Gene Munster suggests may not come immediately? Without question. Yes, I do think they will. When you think about product development and you think about Apple, you think about the patience of the company. They are very slow to deliver on products. Why? Because they're very conservative in their approach, using the battle balance sheet, not being aggressive in M&A, and understanding that their balance sheet is able to explore R&D and improve upon products. And I think, Scott, you have to also factor in in this. Ultimately, we are going to see a VR headset that consumers are going to embrace. And if I have to bet on a management team, the right management team, to deliver that product, I don't think there's a better company than Apple and their ability of management to do that. That's the Apple way. The other thing I'm wondering about, Gene, is for a company that is sitting on a mountain of cash that doesn't do big acquisitions, the last and largest was Beats, does AI change the game? Does it force in some ways a Tim Cook's hand and this company to finally make the kind of acquisition that we have not been accustomed to? I think that's the, the story, the side of today that's really hasn't got the proper attention is what's going on with AI. And in the past month, we've seen Google and, and Microsoft's developer conference, and that was all about AI. And Apple's been uh, measured when it comes to talking about AI. They made some big hires in 2017, but since then it's been pretty uh, quiet. And ultimately, they got to answer that question. Developers, everyone wants to see the headset today, but what's on the mind of those developers in there is AI. What are the tools that they're going to have, be able to have? And I think it begs the question, what is Apple going to do ultimately? They've talked about uh, weaving AI into the fabric of their products. Uh, that's a good, um, I think, party line. But ultimately, I think that this is a company that's going to have to probably make some bolder moves in AI in the, the years to come. So I, I want you to, to sum it up, I guess, with what you think is really riding on this day and this moment and this new category for, for Tim Cook. We said this is only his second major product that he will announce after the watch, a hardware product, and, and here we are. What is riding on it for his legacy at this company? This is a lot bigger than the watch. And the reason why is that this is a new computing platform. And what's riding on it is ultimately the future of how consumers interact with technology is going to be a combination of phones and some sort of a wearable. And they got to nail it. They don't have to nail it today, but what's riding on this ultimately is to get developers excited about it. So they need to land that punch. All right. You enjoy yourself uh, inside the uh, Steve Jobs Theater. It's going to be fun. And we'll talk to you soon. That's Gene Munster joining us uh, today. Contessa Brewer now.
has the headlines for us. Hi, Contessa. Hi there, Scott. Yeah, federal investigators are preparing for a challenging investigation into a plane crash in Virginia. The site is remote, it's heavily wooded, and investigators are going to actually go in and take the wreckage to Delaware to try and figure out when the pilot became unresponsive and why the plane's flight path went over a heavily restricted airspace near the nation's capital. The Pentagon scrambled F-16 fighter jets in response. It created a sonic boom. They were pursuing the plane and shattered it until it crashed. Donald Trump's attorneys were spotted at the Justice Department today as the grand jury investigating the former president's handling of classified documents is expected to meet again this week. The FBI searched Trump's estate at Margaret. They searched Mar-a-Lago for these documents last August, and they found more than 11,000 government documents. If Trump is indicted, it would be the first time a former president has been charged with a federal crime. Former Vice President Mike Pence is filing paperwork today to declare his 2024 presidential campaign. He's expected formally to launch his candidacy with a video and a kickoff event in Iowa on Wednesday. That Republican field, Scott, sure is getting crowded already. Yeah, sure is. And likely to, to get more so. Contessa, mm -hmm. thank you. That's Contessa Brewer. Up next, we have several portfolio moves today from the Investment Committee, all around tech, AI. You'll be interested to hear them. We'll do it next. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back to Halftime. Let's get to Christina Partsinevelis now, who has a news alert for us. Christina. Yeah, this has to do with Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange. They have now uh, put up a blog post in response to the SEC's lawsuit. The SEC is filing 13 charges against Binance, which I'll get to in a second. But in their response right now, this is the newest thing. Uh, Binance says that they are disheartened, that they're disappointed. They go on to say that the SEC's actions undermined America's role as a global hub, a hub for financial innovation, which really stood out to me is the fact that Binance did say that because Binance is not a U.S. exchange, the SEC's actions are limited in reach. So they're arguing that they've tried to communicate with the SEC. The SEC doesn't want to sit down with them, didn't want to negotiate, and uh, didn't provide any clarity on rules about which crypto assets should be treated like securities and which should not. And so that's a big problem for a lot of these crypto exchanges, Coinbase as well. Further in this blog post, they reassure investors that their products are safe and secure and they're going to continue uh, to work with the SEC. But they claim the SEC's real intent here is to make headlines. So it is a pretty, pretty scathing blog post. But just to recap, the SEC filed a lawsuit, 13 charges against Binance. It really boils down to three points. The fact that the SEC is claiming that Binance 
did not register as a U.S. clearinghouse, is selling unregistered securities or crypto digital assets. And then thirdly, not providing or misleading investors about the safety controls that are put in place on that platform. And so Binance is responding and you're seeing crypto, Binance down, what, 8%, Coinbase down 9%, uh, Bitcoin down 3%. So it's just having a negative effect on the entire space. Scott? Yeah, Christina, thank you. Thanks for the update, uh, Christina Partsinevelos. We do have some interesting uh, investment committee moves that we have to get to, starting with uh, Brenda Vangelo's right next to me. You trimmed NVIDIA. I mean, it's up 170% year to date. At what point did you say, this is a little ridiculous? Yeah, I mean, it was, we decided to trim it and be disciplined, but I will say that NVIDIA's recent earnings beat was pretty phenomenal and the guidance was pretty phenomenal. So the stock is actually less expensive than it was before. But nevertheless, I think this is a stock that where there's a lot of good news baked in. Um, and so we're just in our, our strategy and our, our style is to remain disciplined and trim along the way. This is a, a position we first established back in March of 2020. We've trimmed it once since then. So this is only the second time we've trimmed it and it's been a, an incredible stock for us. Just tell me real quick, because I mean, Sandhill Global Advisors, okay? Sand Hill Road. Um, this is the epicenter of big tech investing out, out here where, where you are and the namesake uh, firm is. Do people that you talk to think that a lot of these stocks have gone too fast, too far, or, or do they think it's justified? You know, in, in many respects, a lot of the people that we work with are very embedded and they work at these companies or they have a lot of inside information about these companies that they don't share with us, of course. But nevertheless, I think there is generally a, a, a longer term view that these companies are going to continue to remain successful. Our question that we try to ask as disciplined investors, especially with a lot of these mega cap stocks, is just how we're dealing with a law of large numbers right now with many of them. They've grown to be tremendous. We don't think they're going to be the same investments that they were a decade ago. They're still going to be great companies to invest in. They have tons of great cash flow. That's a, a good thing, especially in the market today. But in terms of their ability to really drive the overall market returns as they have this year, I just don't think we're going to see that probably over the next decade. Uh, but it doesn't mean they're going to be bad investments. Yeah. Talk about uh, great years, Steph. Meta obviously falls into that category, mm -hmm. which you trimmed as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is simply profit taking um, and, and yes, yeah, staying disciplined as well. Right. I mean, the stock's up 127 percent. We've seen a multiple expansion from 11 times last year at this time to 21 times. I still think the company is going to grow earnings 30 percent. And I still think you're going to see double digit return to revenue growth in the second half of the year. So I'm willing to hold on to a big majority portion. Uh, but I got this stock got to be 800 basis points over my benchmark. And that's really a big position. And so I, I trimmed it down. I'm still 500 basis points overweight relative to my benchmark. And the reason is because they do have a huge install base at Facebook Blue. Reels is getting monetized at a six billion dollar revenue run rate. We have click to message is now at a $10 billion revenue run rate. And we have the AI integration, which is helping their digital advertising platform. So I think there's still a lot going for it, but uh, it's had a really sharp move and a huge multiple uh, re-rating. So I just want to be prudent. Joe, you told us a week ago that you sold yes. half of your AMD position. Now you've sold the rest. I have. So we ring the register. We take an 18 and a half percent gain. But we deploy the capital into Broadcom. And Steph knows this company certainly incredibly well. It's been part of the Joe T strategy since October of 2021. We're up over 51%. It is a company that's overlooked 
It is underestimated. It will be a winner in the AI chip race. It has relationships with Apple and Alphabet, and I think it'll be part of the story as we move forward with a valuation, a valuation that's much more reasonable than the valuation that exists on AMD, and that's why I made that valuation swap. Okay, up next, we do have a few more stocks to watch in our calls of the day, including one stock that hit a new record high today, not named Apple. We'll be back in just two minutes, right here, Apple Park in Cupertino, California. All right, welcome back. Let's hit our calls of the day now. First up, it is Oracle, named a top pick at Jefferies. The analyst there says that stock can grind higher with continued execution. Uh, shares, by the way, also hitting a new a record intraday high today. Jim Labenthal, it's yours. Yeah, Scott, you know, I was listening to Steph and Joe and Brenda talking about trimming positions, and maybe you think, well, why not trim Oracle? It's had one heck of a run. I look at it, though, and I see it's trading at 19 times forward earnings. Uh, analysts think that long-term this is going to grow at 15.5% on a 7% revenue growth rate. Those numbers seem very achievable to me. Uh, look, there's always the chance that you get a tech pullback overall, and maybe Oracle pulls back with it, but I'm not going to trim it. I think this is, for many years to come, going to be an outperformer. Yeah, price target goes to 125 from 105. So, Steph, let's talk Estee Lauder. Stock got downgraded today at Oppenheimer. Uh, their prior target was 250. They give no price target now. Uh, they're moving to the sidelines. <laughs> less compelling, they say the case is. Less favorable risk reward scenario as well as they trim their forecasts. What's going on with this story? Well, it's a show me story. They missed and guided lower for the last three quarters. So something obviously is not running well. Uh, it's execution, which is very surprising for this management team. But I think it's also supply chains that are still hurting them, specifically in travel, retail and in China and the reopening. So. I don't blame this analyst for lowering the rating. I do think it's probably dead money in the short term, but I still believe very strongly in the brands and in China and their exposure in China, the growth strategy. So I'm going to stick with it, but I understand why they did it. Yeah, stock's down 25% uh, year to date, so it hasn't been a great story yeah. at all. Up next, we check in at the New York Stock Exchange with Mike Santoli. We'll get his midday word. Halftime is back right after this. All right, we are back uh, at Apple headquarters, Cupertino, California. There's your clock. We have just about 10 minutes to go before Tim Cook takes that stage in the building behind me inside the Steve Jobs Theater and unveils what we think is going to be a mixed reality a headset, what some are calling the most significant hardware product announcement since the watch in 2014. So it's a significant moment as Apple hits a new all-time intraday high today. On that note, let's go to the New York Stock Exchange, bring in senior market commentator Mike Santoli for his midday word. And that really is the word. You know, it's, uh, it's just been a tremendous story for this stock and for this group. Yeah. And, you know, the market has a bit of a sense of, uh, of the moment here with actually having Apple be by far the greatest source of upside for the index on a day like today and making a new high. It really does raise the question of whether First of all, it matters. I mean, the stock has been performing really well 
based on just sort of a buildup of enthusiasm about the giant bulletproof tech stocks, independent of really what they're going to do in terms of earnings growth this year. So we'll see. I think the upside case is that people say, eh, this is nothing special, just like they did with AirPods and, uh, you know, and the watch. And then over, over time, it sort of fits into the longer-term services story. All right. We'll see you in a little bit. Yep. I'll see you back on Closing Bell. That's Mike Santoli. The countdown to Apple's big event is just moments away. Steve Kovac is back with us for his final thoughts. We'll give you final trades as well. We're under 10 minutes to WWDC 23. This is happening. This is happening. Welcome back. Uh, I want to remind you tomorrow as well, we're staying on the West Coast. We're going to be live from one Market in San Francisco. Great show again. Uh, we will have uh, certainly many tech guests and investors as well. We'll talk AI. Uh, in the meantime, Steve Kovac is back with us as we're just moments away. Uh, I've heard people and I've read, you know, as we're having these conversations today, wearables are in Tim Cook's wheelhouse. Yes, uh, so he's the, health and fitness. He's the right guy uh, for this moment in right. many ways. And, and look, look what he did with the Apple Watch and turned that into a huge business and even still more room to grow with it. So he's been very passionate about that. And we're, we're hearing some cheering right now from, from the crowd out there at WWDC. I do want to set expectations though, Scott. We've been talking about price of the headset this whole hour. Might not get it. Typically, Apple, when they announce products, you know, six or seven months in advance, they say it's coming soon, but they may not give a price. So that could be something we're discussing for a while. So I did want to set expectations for that before we get started here in a few minutes. Gene Munster uh, said he'll take the under on the 3,000. He okay. said his mind is 2,000. Either right. way, we're talking about thousands of dollars, it's, it's, not it's hundreds. It's prices, right. And again, like I said earlier, this hour, Carriers aren't subsidizing this thing. It's going to be straight up cash. Same time, Apple Card, payment plans, and, and wallet uh, functionality added to that kind of stuff. You can see them coming up with a way to make it a little more affordable. But yeah, it's not going to be cheap. But this idea that Gene Munster suggested as well, that he thought this moment was almost as significant as the, the iPhone. Um, in what it's going to mean for the as this company takes a, a sort of big leap, not just a small step, right. but a giant leap into the future. Yeah, it's but that future is going to be a long time coming. That's the difference between the iPhone and a product like this. It's going to take a while before we're all wearing headsets. Again, they have to get the product to be thinner, to be uh, to really reach that vision that they want. And, and as soon as they start looking like my glasses, then yes, maybe we get there. Then we can declare this is the new iPhone moment. But for now, still an iPhone company. That's where most of the revenue comes from. That's the product to pay attention to the most. This could be, you know, a replacement for the iPhone one day, but it's not going to happen anytime soon, Scott. Yeah. Joe, uh, give me your final thought here. Well, I think, you know, if when you think about Apple, Scott, if you are not long, you are short. You do not bet against this company, and I would <laughs> fully expect management to deliver. Yeah, if you're not long, you're wrong. Uh, that's essentially what, what Joe is saying here. That's what's certainly been proven this year, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I think this is a, a company that's really hard to bet against. And anytime someone has bet against it in the past, you know, decade or more over the long, meteor, intermediate term, you've been wrong. So I think it's, it's a hard name to be underweight. And to some of Jim's earlier points, too, gets given the size in the index. There are a lot of eyes on this company and a lot of people that need to own this company um, in order to prove that they you know, can outperform on a relative basis. So there's a lot of reasons to own it, not just for the fundamentals, but also just given its sheer size yeah, in the Steve, market. Steve uh, Kobach, thank you for hanging out with Absolutely. us. Uh, we'll consider this the pregame show for WWDC 23. I'll be back for the postgame as well. Uh, we call that closing bell. 
of course. Do you have a final trade real quick, Brenda? I have CVS. Um, it is not AI, but I think it's a great recipient if you're trimming uh, some of your tech stocks. Really inexpensive, integrative healthcare company. Okay. Stephanie Link, a quick final. Give me a name, please. Uh, Corteva. Bought some on Friday. Okay, Jimmy. Crystal Myers. And Joe? Chipotle. All right, well, what a day uh, we have in store. Again, we, we know that Tim Cook uh, has taken the stage, and I will see you on Closing Bell. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.